Colossians chapter 2, let's look at this in Colossians chapter 2 now. We're going to be going, by December, I'll be in four different nations. We're going to go to Burundi. We're going to go to Botswana. That's north of South Africa. We're going to go to Greece and train Iranian, Syrian, and Afghan leaders because they can sneak out of their nations for training, but I can't go into their nations without getting killed. So we're going to bring them out and train them. And then we'll be going back to Tanzania uh, next year. We'll probably be going to Pakistan, hallelujah, to preach the gospel to train leaders. And this is what we, do. This is what we found out. Nothing's ever going to change until you change leadership. Leadership sets the limit on anything. doesn't matter if it's the government, the family, your business. Until you raise up leadership, you don't raise up what's under leadership. You've got to raise up leadership first. So God has blessed us and helped us, and, 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 and we have been so, so blessed. And we thank you for your support. We're going to keep going where nobody wants to go, and we're going to keep seeing God do great things. Colossians chapter 2, and let's look in verse 18. I want to talk about growing God's way. Colossians 2, verse 18 and 19, let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship. Notice there's false humility and false worship. The false worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. The old King James said, increase with the increase of God. Now, the kingdom of God itself is an ever-expanding kingdom. You know, I don't need science to confirm the Bible. I don't need it to confirm the Bible, but I think it's pretty cool when science does confirm the Bible. And there's two instances recently, uh, uh, discoveries from science, uh, that confirms the Word of God. First of all, scientists have discovered that the universe is still expanding. And someone said that uh, the reason it's still expanding is because in Genesis 1-1, God said, light be, and He never said, light stop. So, at 186 thousand miles per hour it's still expanding so now no matter what telescope we get all we do is reach out further than we've ever reached out before to find out that there's more space and we can't find the edge of it the second discovery which I think is the National Geographic did they, they found out the most basic element of life and, and, and it's, not a, a, it's not an atom. They, they've, they've worked it down even further that the most basic element of all life is what they call a quark. It's a sound wave. Because when God created the world, how did he do it? He spoke. Isn't it interesting that in all living things, there can be traced a sound wave inside of it? Even flowers 
You can, you can, if you hook up enough scientific equipment, you can hear flowers singing and making noise. The Bible says the heavens and the earth declare your glory. So I don't need science to confirm the Bible, but I think it's cool when it does. I think it's interesting when it does. Now, the kingdom of God is that expanding type of kingdom. Mark chapter 4, verse 30 to 31, talks about the mustard seed. Though it's the smallest seed in all the realm of seeds, when you sow it, eventually it will take over the garden. And God says the kingdom of God is like that. You can look at it and think there's not much to it. But if it gets planted, it will eventually take over everything. It's got stuff in it that other seeds don't have. It's got power in it that other seeds don't have. Luke chapter 13, verse 20 to 21 talks about leaven. The kingdom of God's like leaven. You put it and it, it eventually fills up the whole loaf. It, it spreads. That's the, that's the issue. One of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 4:18. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter unto a more perfect day. Romans chapter 1, 17 says the gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God that goes from faith to faith, one level of faith to another. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says that we're being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. The Amplified says one degree of radiant glory to another. So if you're in the kingdom, you are in an ever-growing, ever-increasing, ever-expanding kingdom that knows no end and cannot be stopped. Now look, look, let me tell you something about me personally. I, I do live in a, in a big city, but it's really not my heart. I'm just there because God wants me there. I like small towns. I like being able to get anywhere I want to get in five minutes. I do. I like going to Walmart and seeing everybody I know. If I get lonely, I just go to Walmart. Hey, Fred. Hey, Bill. Hey. Pray with people. I, I, in my town in Magnolia, I go to Walmart and have a church service. I go up and down every aisle, pray for people, lay hands on people, lead people. I'm fine. This is great. I love it. People call me Pastor. Everybody knows me. I know everybody. I, I, lo I love that. But let me, let, me just, let me tell you something that I found out about small towns, especially in the South. I didn't know this until I went to a few town meetings, and I found out that small towns are small by design. I did not know that. I sat in some city council meetings of Magnolia, Arkansas, where they turned down Business after business that wanted to come to Magnolia. Tyson Chicken wanted to come and build a plant in Magnolia. And they said, we don't want our town smelling like chicken. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, honey. Chicken smell like money. Come on. <laughs> you, turn it, you ain't turning down a stinky smell. You're turning down lots of jobs. You're turning down lots of progress. You're turning down lots of income found out they turned it down because they didn't want the town to grow to a certain level. 
So the, the problem is you, you can be from a small town, you can like a small town, but you need to know that there are dangerous things about living in a small town when you serve a big God. Here's what I found out about walking with God. If you're truly walking with God, you will always be changing. Here's what I found out about people, including myself. I don't like it. Can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Where are you sitting this Sunday? In that pew there? Can I ask you where you sat last Sunday? <laughs> Most of you at least. You know why you sit there? Because you like it there. You know why you're not sitting somewhere else? You don't like it there. You know what happens on Sunday morning when you come in and somebody new sitting in your spot? You don't like it. That's the, that's the issue, folks. Listen, there's something natural in all of us that does not like change. We like routine. We like things the way they are. We like, we like our life the way it is. We don't want anything to disrupt it. The only problem is you need to know that goes contrary to how the Holy Spirit works in people's lives. If you are walking with God, He will always be messing with you. And I don't mean in a bad way, but He will. The Bible says, He that hath begun, Philippians 1 verse 6, he that hath begun a good work in you will continue to perform it right up until the day of Jesus Christ. He will constantly be messing with you. Listen, there's a bunch of baloney being sold right now about the love of God. And you reduce the gospel to, to just simply God loves you. Listen, the gospel does include God loves you, but it includes a lot more. So when you say God loves you, what a lot of people are implying today is God loves me just like I am. And since I was born gay, he loves my homosexuality. Well, I don't even, I don't even argue with people anymore if they say they were born that way because I, I've got a trump card. That's why Jesus said you need to be born again. I don't want to argue with you. You say you were born that way. Fine, great. I was born chasing girls. <laughs> Never had a time where I thought girls were icky. <laughs> Hit my first day on the uh, first first day. I I've got a translator in Tanzania. He's 43 years old. Never kissed, never never kissed a a, a girl. We got on this subject of you know his name's in Kongi Emmanuel. I said. You know, I said, when did you get your first kiss? He said, what? I said, your first kiss. He said, well, I kissed my mama. I said, I ain't talking about kissing your mama. <laughs> I kissed my sister. No, I'm not talking about kissing your sister. He said, well, I, I, haven't, I haven't been kissed. I'm not married. Why would I do that? I said, he goes, looks at me and said, when did you get your first kiss? I said, first grade, first day. Asked me when I got my second kiss. He goes, all right, when did you get your second kiss? I said, stupid, first grade, second day. <laughs> Keep this conversation going. I understand you, listen, iniquity is iniquity, and it can be advanced 
You can find one kid that steals, one kid that lies, one kid that, and so I don't want to argue with you if you feel like you're born that way, but that doesn't mean God, when, when God says he loves you, that doesn't mean he approves of all your behavior. There's a lot of people today claiming to be spiritual. But according to these scriptures, real growth comes a certain way. Real growth comes a certain way. How, how, how does it come? Look, look at what it says here. It says, from holding fast the head. What does that mean? That means giving Jesus his rightful place as sovereign Lord in your life. A lot of people in America, they, they say yes to Jesus to get their out of hell ticket. They use Jesus as their out of hell ticket because anybody with intelligence doesn't want to go to hell. Anybody with intelligence doesn't want to go to hell. But, but that doesn't mean he's Lord of your life. You really don't find out he's Lord until he asks you to do something you don't want to do. Now listen to me. What's going on right now in America? I travel a lot, so I can tell you. There's great division coming right now. It's happening all over the United States right now. It's happening. It's been happening in major denominations. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, I had a business deal with a guy uh, from out in Texas. Out, and, he, and somehow in talking to him, I just kind of picked up, he's different. Somebody's different. So when we met and did the business deal, I said, let me ask you something. He said, what? I said, you're a believer, aren't you? He said, yes, I am, and you're a man of faith. I said, yes, I am. I said, well, what flavor are you? <laughs> you know what he said? He said, I don't rightly know. He said, because we're a bunch of Methodists that just got kicked out. And, and, I, and I said, oh. He said, we, we started our own church and. There's, there's hundreds of us, but we don't really know what we are. All we know is we used to be Methodists. And I said, let me guess, you separated over human sexuality. He said, absolutely. I said, you don't want to ordain gay people. He said, nope. I said, okay. I know what flavor you are now. Welcome to the family. <laughs> Why? Now, listen, we've been watching it happen in the Episcopal Church, in the Presbyterian Church, in the Methodist Church, guess what's happening right now? It's coming to the full gospel, folks. Churches decide and listen to me whether or not they believe the whole Word of God. I studied Pew Research and, and Barna Group, and they, they, they did a research that found out that between one-third and one-half of all seminary graduates, listen to this, do not claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Do not claim that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Do not claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And do not claim that there is such a thing as eternal hell or judgment. That's what we're graduating in our Christian seminaries. So right now, Churches are having to make decisions. Young people are having to make decisions. You're under a lot of pressure. I understand. You're under a lot of pressure. I love you. You're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to decide, do you really believe the whole Bible or are you just going to carve it up? If you carve it up, what you've carved is your own idol. 
You carve the word of God up and then you set it up and worship what you carved out. There's a lot of things I don't like about the Bible. That turn the other cheek stuff, I never got good at that. <laughs> Forgive, oh, that's, that's a tough one for me. Be patient, oh, please don't tell me to be patient. I don't have time for it. <laughs> a lot of things I don't like in the Bible, but you know what? I, I, I embrace the whole Bible. Well, listen to me, church. If you're going to embrace, embrace the whole thing, if you're going to be all in on the Word of God, you ought to be all out on the will of God. Now, look at what this says. People that, people that grow right, grow God's way, they, they got the head in the right place. Now, I've, I've changed something, Pastor Brad. I quit saying, uh, if you would like to come down and make Jesus the Lord of your life. I quit saying that. It, he's Lord whether you make him Lord or not. I came down, I, I, what I say now is, if you'd like to come down and acknowledge his Lordship. Because he's Lord whether you admit it or not. And we don't make him anything. He is Lord. So people get off on tangents now, and they say the big, big buzzword now is, oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. I'm a very spiritual person. You are. Well, what's Jesus to you? Oh, he's a good man. No, uh, good men don't lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. He's not a good man if he's telling you that, and you, in your mind, he's not that. If you don't accept him as that, then he's a liar, and liars aren't good people. They say, oh, he's a good teacher. No, no, no. Good teachers don't teach falsehood. He said, I'm the door to eternal life. I'm the only one there is. That's what he taught. So if that teaching, you don't believe it, hook, line, and sinker, then he's a teacher of lies, and that makes him a bad teacher. He can't be a good teacher and not be Lord. They say, oh, he's a good prophet. No. A good prophet don't tell you lies about the future. A good prophet tells you the absolute truth about what's going to happen. So either he's a false prophet or he is the consummate prophet. He can't be good and be false. He either is or he ain't. There's no middle ground with Jesus. He either is king of kings and lord of lords or he is a complete shyster. He's a complete fake and a fraud. And we need to get away from him. Can you say amen? Now, notice this. They do three things. They hold the head in its rightful place. And the second is they're nourished and they're knit. Now, people say all the time, well, I love Jesus. I just hate the church. Hang on. How close are you going to be to me? If you say, now, Pastor Paul, we love you. We love your preaching. We support you. We want you to come over and have Oklahoma barbecue. It's the best in the, in the union. All right, it, I believe you. It's good. I've eaten it. It's good. But listen, you, you leave your stinking wife at home. We hate Miss Debbie. Now, you're you going to talk to me like that and think we're going to have a relationship? When you say you love Jesus but you hate the church, 
I had a guy tell me, he said, I don't want to go to church. There's nothing but hypocrites. I said, we got room for more. Come on. <laughs> One more ain't going to hurt. I had another guy tell me that. He said, I ain't going to go to church. That bunch of hypocrites. I said, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, there are. I said, let me ask you something. You carry a wallet? He said, yeah. I said, let me see your wallet. He gave me his wallet. I took the money out. Handed it back. He said, hey, hey, what are you doing? I said, look, there's counterfeit money out there. You got to give up on real money. <laughs> I don't want you to get, I don't want you to come across some counterfeits. Now, here, you take your wallet. Back. I'll take care of this. Uh, you take, oh, no, 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 hang on now. <laughs> well, counterfeit money only is, is proven counterfeit because there's something real. Right. Yeah. Counterfeit Christians only prove there is a real deal. Now, I wrote a book, and it's a book that nobody is going to read. Because my wife argues with me, and my friends argue with me because they want me to change the title. The title of my book is, Does Your Church Supposed to Exist? Is Your Church Supposed to Exist? That's the title. And Should Your Church Exist? That's it. It's, 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 it's a funny title. Now, this is the reason I say that, because I did a 20-year study on the candlestick in the book of Revelation. Jesus stood to a church. He said, I'm going to come. Now, i got some things against you. And he said, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove the candlestick from you. Now, listen to me. I did a 20-year study on what the candlestick is from the smartest people in the world. You know what I found out? <laughs> Nobody can agree. Nobody can agree on what the candlestick is. Some say it's the glory of God. Some say it's the pastor there. Some say it's the anointing. It's the illuminating power of God. It's this, it's that. Nobody, even the smartest, most brilliant people can't agree. So this is what I did in my book. I said, look, using the laws of deduction, this is what we have to understand. Whatever the candlestick is, you are not a church unless you have it. So in fun, some form or another, it's God's approval of your existence as a church. Other than that, you're just a bunch of folk getting together. You're no more than the Rotary Club with a little Jesus thrown on it. Now, when I got here this morning, I felt that candlestick in this place. What is that? God's got a destiny here. God's got his hand on this place. This is not just a gathering of people. There's a candlestick here. I want you to guard it. I want you to protect it. And I warn you that Jesus is still Jesus. If stuff goes on that he don't approve of, he can come take it. And if he takes it, you're not a church anymore. You're just a bunch of people. Can you say amen? Now, I guard that. I guard that. Now, what does it say about this real growth? We're talking about growing God's way. Number one, they hold fast to the head. Number two, they're nourished. They're nourished. Now, listen to me. This is, I, I know this is not going to sound flashy. People want to hear revelation, prophecy. They want to hear fantastic stuff they never heard before. You know what I believe God's calling people back to? The Bible. 
getting your nose in the Word of God every day and learning how to feed yourself. So a lot of people say, well, I just don't get fed. Listen, if all you do is come to church one time a week and hear Pastor Brad preach, no wonder you feel like you're not getting fed because you're not. But it's not because he's not feeding you. It's because you're not feeding yourself on all the other days. You don't burn out as a Christian if you stay nourished. You don't burn out and wake up one day, I think I'll have an affair. I think I'll get on drugs. I think I'll watch porn. You don't, you don't wake up one day and decide you're going to embrace that as a lifestyle. You fade away slowly, slowly, week by week, because you're not getting the nourishment you need to fight sin off. The Word of God will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Word of God. You just got to get, get back to it, nourished. And when I say nourished, listen to me. Nourish, nourish preaching, listen, listen, everybody listen to me. It's not sugar plums and gumdrops. Good preaching has to do with faith, the Holy Spirit, prayer, righteousness, holiness, family living, godliness, goodness, kindness, forgiveness, reaching the lost, Praying for the sick. That good preaching sounds like that. Can you say amen? amen? You know people today, they want gumdrops and sugar. Jesus loves you just like you are, you sweet thing. I told a guy, I was talk, talking to a bunch of men the other day. And I said, by the way, if you're having sex and you're not married, that's called fornication. You need to stop it. The Bible says don't even eat with a brother who is a fornicator. Don't even eat with them. You know what I had? I had men come to me after the service and say, I'm repenting before you. How is it you, you live, it, you exist in a church week after week and never feel convicted about fornication? Maybe because nobody ever calls it out. Now, I'm not here to say we got to be perfect. There is no perfect church. There's no perfect people. We're all in process. Can you say amen? But when you say you're a brother and you deliberately live an open lifestyle of sinfulness, something's not right. That's not grace. That's goofiness. The third thing is what? Join together. Join together. You know, a few years ago, actually a long time ago, uh, right before Christmas, Deb and I went and bought a, uh, we went to Walmart, we we're going to buy our son a tricycle. Yeah, many years ago. So I found, I found the tricycle I wanted, and I went and told the guy, I want this tricycle. He said, we got one in the back, I, I, I'll go get it. And he, he went to the back, and he, he brought back a box. And he said, here, here. I said, what's that? He said, it's your tricycle. I said, no, no, that's tricycle potential. <laughs> that's tricycle potential. That's, that's the pieces of what would make a tricycle if the pieces were connected. But the pieces aren't connected, therefore, it is not a tricycle, it's just tricycle potential. Now, I know the way people are, because I'm a little bit like this. I, listen to me. Listen, I'm being, I'm just, 
please don't judge me, but I'm being totally honest. If I had it my way, I would live on the side of a mountain so far back, and I'd have like six gates to get to my house. The first gate would say, turn around. Second gate would say, this means you. Third gate would say, I'm getting my gun. Fourth gate would say, I've got my scope on you now. And the fifth gate would be, just leave me alone. Because I'm, I'm a little bit like that. I would like to live on the side of a mountain with my dog and my wife and my gun and my bow, and you just leave me alone. I'm just kind of like that in my natural self. So in my natural, listen to me, in my natural self, I don't want people in my business. In my natural self, I want you to mind your own business. Because I will mind my own business. And I will leave you alone because I desperately want you to leave me alone. I'm just telling you in my natural self. But you know what? I don't get that luxury. I'm in the body of Christ. I've got to be with people. People can irritate me. I've got a pastor. I've got a pastor. He's got x-ray vision. I don't know what it is about the guy, but I can meet with him 20 minutes, and he's already picked out something that I need to change. Can I tell you, in my natural self, I don't like that. In my natural self, I would rather not have that. But you know what? I need it. I need somebody in my business. I need somebody who cares enough to lovingly check up on my life. And I need to be smart enough to open my heart to those people. I need to be smart enough to do that. This is what I found out. People say all the time, oh, yeah, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm, I'm spiritual, I'm growing. Well, what, what church you go to? Oh, I don't belong to no church. Okay, well, let's, let's cut your finger off. Let me just cut your finger off. Put it on a shelf over here and let's watch its health for the next few days. Why? Well, the obvious is it's not going to stay healthy unless it stays connected. There's a lot of people here this morning. It's a good crowd. Appreciate it. Wonderful. You're here. That's good. But you may be a piece. And you may not be a part. You can be a piece. What are you? Your church potential. Your, 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 your house of God potential. A house of God's not this. Come on, y'all. This is not the house, this is not the habitation of God. This is the habitation of God. So your habitation potential, but you're not real growth potential until you get connected to your brother and your sister in Christ. And you know what I do? I'll tell you what I do. I force myself. I force myself to be in relationship. I force myself to open up. Why? I see it's in the Bible and I'm supposed to do it. I force myself to be committed to people. I force myself to call people and love on people and reach out to people when really I would just rather be left alone. In my natural self, give me a mountain full of woods, a dog, a wife, gun, bow, good four-wheel drive, I'm good. That's my natural self. 
but I go completely against it. And I join myself to people and I join myself to ministers and I make myself pray for people and reach out to people and love people and forgive people. And I get close to people and I let people get close to me when it's nothing that I want to do naturally. But it's what I see in the Bible. You know what? You know what happens? I grow. I grow with real growth. Real growth that's real, not fake spiritual growth, but real growth spiritual growth. Can you say amen? I love you. I'm just still a pastor in my heart. So the way I preach is just pastor and preaching. Would you stand up with me? Blessed are the brief. They shall be invited back. Now, everybody look at me. Easiest thing in the world is to point out where the church is wrong. Easiest thing in the world is to pick apart preachers and talk about their weaknesses and their shortcomings and all get on the internet and spread it all over. Let me tell you what. God has always had a remnant. He's always had a remnant. You know what that means? There is a real church without spot and without wrinkle. There are people who are for real in church. And there are people who are sold out to do the will of God. And let me just tell you something about Pastor Brad. He might miss it in his head. I don't think he's going to miss it in his heart. I can take a leader that might miss it in his head from time to time. I don't want to follow a leader that's deliberately missing it in his heart. That's a totally different ball of wax. You've got a good pastor here. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you catch what I just said? I didn't say you have a good preacher here, even though I know he's a good preacher. And see, that's the difference between being a piece and being a part. Where do you go to church? I'll go to Wordwood First Assembly. Who's the pastor there? Well, my preacher is Brad Smith. Oh, he's your preacher, but he's not your pastor. All I can tell you is there's going to be something that you don't receive spiritually unless he becomes your pastor. As long as he's your preacher, he can give you information, but you're not really growing. You're really growing when you learn to accept spiritual authority in your life and say, that's my pastor. Some people here today, you need to make that little switch in your heart. He's not my preacher anymore today. He's my pastor. This is not where I just go. This is my church. Can you say amen? Would you bow your heads?